This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Blue Shirt Banters, Bantering the Blue Shirts, with me, Mike Murphy, joined always as my better half, my good buddy, Tom Arch Jr. Say hi, Tom. Hi. So, it is, we're recording this on April 21st, the day after 420, for all of you who like uh, low-hanging fruit. Blaze it. Um, Yeah, blaze it up. Uh, Tom, nothing has goddamn happened in Rangers World um, since the last time we talked, has it? No, not really. It's just been a lot of nostalgia, um, whether it's like the Rangers or MSG Network like showing like, oh, this is what happened in the 90s, this is what happened in the 80s, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's uh, business as usual. Yeah, business as usual, which is not a lot of business going on. Um, you know, we, we try to get creative. We brainstorm a lot on Blue Shirt Banner about the sort of content we can provide. And the thing I've been struggling with is, uh, just based on readers' reactions and stuff, is that no one really knows what they want uh, to, to read. And I don't think a lot of writers know exactly what to write. I, and that doesn't really surprise me because this is such an unprecedented time. Um, and I think that translates kind of well to the fact that for the time being, our podcast is just becoming reviewing hockey movies. Um, but before we move on to our next hockey movie, which does have the Rangers in it, by the way, uh, I thought we would touch on a little bit of NHL news, which is to say there's no significant news of note other than we're starting to get some rumblings of those, uh, European free agents, you know, guys from the SHL and the KHL, starting to see a couple of things, uh, you know, fall into place, some rumors, um, you know, contracts that tried to get executed and then couldn't because I can't sign some guys at this time. So, Tom, any thoughts on any of the hubbub that's gone on? Yeah, I mean, the Grigorenko deal, which was signed and then the NHL voids it. Um, it's it's. I always kind of crack up when that sort of stuff happens because I just sort of like imagine like the NH, you know, NHL team is like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to announce it. Um, you know, let's make sure we put in the paperwork with the league office um, first. But yeah, in this case, it was just something simply where they um, misinterpreted the CBA and the contract has to be filed and signed in in july um and then there was comment by um his agent um basically that yeah we're just gonna go through with everything in july but um 
Mikhail Gregorenko is someone who he was in the league very early on. He played on some bad Buffalo Sabres teams, um, and then he was with uh, Colorado, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was, I think, a piece in the, um, was it, what, the Ryan O'Reilly trade? Oh, was he in the O'Reilly trade, really? I'm trying to think, because how else would he have um, ended up in uh, Colorado from Buffalo? I feel like those teams... Let's see. Well, I'm, while you I'm, fill air, I can look it up with uh, with some degree of speed. Yeah, but basically, Grigorenko is someone who he was a highly touted prospect, um, and he was young, and he just, you know. Wow! Look at you, Tom, with your right. ele- your elephantine pachydermy memory. It was O'Reilly and Jamie McGinn. For Nikita Zadorov, Mikhail Grigorenko, JT Comfer, and a 2015 second-round pick. Very good. June 26, 2015. Yeah, I I remember him. I, I Grigorenko was one of those guys, you know, he didn't pan out in the NHL. And I was like, was he drafted by Buffalo or Colorado? But now that I see this, of course, it makes perfect sense. It's just one of those guys who didn't quite get to be what people thought he was going to be and the fact that he's coming back or is likely going to come back with Columbus um, you know it's in the division so we can talk about it <laughs> yeah I mean that draft's an interesting one like that was the Yakupov draft he went number one overall you had the Islanders taking Griffin Reinhardt at four overall um, you know you have guys like Derek Pouliot who were drafted before Truba um, so yeah it's a very interesting uh, sequence of events but um, back to Grigorenko I'm interested to see it's a low risk deal one year with uh, Columbus and um, he's played pretty well in the KHL over the last few years and a little older a um, little more mature physically is you know as a skater and his, his body's filled out more um, so good low risk move and if it doesn't work out then it's not a lot of money so uh Good, uh, good on Columbus as uh, they try and further round out their roster after obviously, um, you know, all the injuries they had this year and the players they lost um, last summer. So I like it. It's low risk. I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I like when teams should get creative, especially with these depth pieces. And we've seen, we've seen it pan out in a big way for a lot of teams. Um, you know, in the past, the Rangers were. Among them, although at the moment I would hope that the Rangers continue that uh, that whole develop from within thing. So um, I don't see the Rangers making you know a lot of splashes in this particular free agent pool. Uh, I would like to think that the priority will be to develop those younger players. Um, there's no great way to transition, Tom, but let's go to what we plan to be the meat and bones of today's show or tonight's show which is uh the film mystery alaska which is uh from my experiences with it this movie came out in 1999 um so i was 13 um and i remember the movie having a big impact on me when i was younger but i've been pretty sure upon watching it last night you and i both watched it last night I think it was your first viewing is that right yes um because i was seven when this came out yeah you're just a wee you're just a wee pup not not far from the teat um i think the reason this movie resonated with me when i was a kid is because it was a hockey movie 
and I was blown away by the fact that there was a hockey movie and like I, I want to turn it over to you right away actually because I grew up with this movie this movie has a place in my relationship with hockey and with movies um, I think for at least a few years I called Mystery Alaska my favorite hockey movie I don't, it doesn't hold that spot anymore um, although uh, it's kind of boring but I think that answer is probably a documentary now um, but I wanted to turn it over to you right away because when I messaged you late last night asked you if you had watched this yet your response was that you had a lot of thoughts um, and I was filled with a lot of thoughts too but I was eager to hear you back the dump truck up and tell me what you thought of Mystery Alaska yeah, so Mystery Alaska, um, it's a movie that... It's a it, movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a movie. Like, if you're looking yeah. for just a phrase. Um, like, for me, just sort of going into it, it's just my first impressions. Like, obviously, how it starts. It's very scenic. It's very um, folksy. Um, just sort of the, the landscape and, and the music choice and just sort of looking at, you know, you're really in like a small town area, um, you know, and it's, it's sort of what I um, kind of see now anytime like the NHL is trying to promote like a winter classic. It's like, oh, we're going back outdoors where, you know, the frozen ponds and all of that stuff um, and just trying to figure out what... Uh, what was going to be going on and you sort of get into it like and um you obviously have um the setup where it's there's this big saturday game and it's something that's played each week um and it's sort of going through the cast of characters and you have you know russell crowe is you know the grizzled old vet um who, who's been around the block a few times um obviously he's seen some better days um and, and, and all of that um but it's certainly, to me, it feels like it's being trying to be a number of different movies at once. You have like the sports movie element of it, where it's like, oh, there's this big challenge. They're going to take on the New York Rangers. Um, you have like this sort of like um, these subplots where like these teen comedy type things where you have like, you know, the, the young player. Um, think steve weeks and stevie weeks yeah and like you know he's uh it's your sister's breasts they're so perky yeah and then it's just it's it's like there's so many different things that are going on it's it's trying to 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 keep track of it and, and understand what 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 was the goal here and could this movie have been done better um and then it's like it's just there's a there's a shit ton of like like sexual overtones in this movie and it's like i understand like there's you know that was sort of like a thing in the 90s was this uh, a pg or an r movie i don't remember um i want to say it was an r movie was it an like, r it's, I it's not an intense r but it has a let's see there's a lot of, there's more than one f bomb in it so it's got to be let's see Rating is, let's see, rated R for language and sexuality. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I don't even think there's a nipple in this movie. No, like there's not really any, um, 
like full on nudity or anything like that. Um, but then you like, you obviously have like a character named Skank and all he's doing is like, you know, he's really having his way with a bunch of different people and, you know, flirting with a bunch of different people. And, um, obviously towards the end of the movie with the, uh, the TV, uh, anchor person. And it's just like, yeah, like as I'm watching it, like the beginning was great. Like, okay, we have this. Oh, really- I'm, glad, I'm very glad we agree on that because in my opinion, the best, the movie to me is like the first three to five minutes is gold. And then the last 10 to 15 minutes is really strong and everything that happens in between I could really do without <laughs> yeah because like it, for me like it feels like I have seen bits and pieces of this before um, like for one so like Burt Reynolds character um, he's obviously been in so many movies but like the thing that I automatically thought about was like obviously he was in um, two versions of the longest yard, the original where he's you know playing um, the quarterback uh, Paul Crew who ends up going you know to prison and obviously that that part of that movie's the the prisoners playing the guards and then in the the remake with Adam Sandler, um, you know he he's someone that's. Uh, you know, in the prison and he's, he's older and he's, he's like trying to be the coach type of thing. But like just this sort of character of, you know, someone who was really like, um, grizzled and just sort of not really happy at anything. And then like, you learn like, yeah, there's a reason for it because yeah, he was a good hockey player. Like I think to like, Oh, he played like college hockey or something or like college B or something. But despite that, he was never good enough to play in the Saturday game where his son plays in the game and he doesn't like him because he feels like he's, you know, a lazy, um, you know, offense or oriented player. Um, but like, as I'm watching this, I'm, I'm really trying to understand like, what is it that I'm supposed to be paying attention about? Because you obviously have these situations where it's like, okay, you know, uh, Russell Crowe is the the town sheriff, and you see the interactions with all the you know the various townspeople, um, you know the like the town attorney who sits on the uh, the committee for the Saturday game. Um, you know you obviously have like a scene where he's defending the star player who was um, got mad at what I can assume was like a uh, proxy for Walmart executive just trying to come in and sort of. Um, bring a, a, a corporation into this sleepy little town and um it's it's just like it was too much and then like yeah obviously all these little things like you know i like i mentioned like all of the like the sexual overtones and you know you, you see a scene where you, you kind of see what's going on and then you see like in the background he's watching a hockey game and sort of just just the timing of him you know, concluding his business coming at a time where a goal is scored like that, I felt was like, all right, you know, I see what you're going for there. It's kind of predictable. It's kind of like, all right, whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say the beginning of the movie is great. Like obviously establishing, okay, who Russell Crowe's character is, um, the sort of the backstory of the town and how they have sort of this, you know, tradition and all of this stuff. And, um, it's the classic story of the the grizzled vet, like you know, it, his time is coming up, and you know the 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 young upstart wants his opportunity. Um, 
but it just feels like it's being way too many movies at once. And like, obviously the whole element of like, uh, Hank Azaria's character where, you know, he comes in, like he's someone who was from the community. He left, you know, he's trying to become like this big shot, you know, reporter and, um, you know, him having like, uh, you know, previous romantic relationship with Russell Crowe's wife. And it's just like, I, I really am trying to struggle with, did we need all of this? Could we have had a, okay, here is a, that the plot of the movie, um, because like, I get it. Like if you watch, um, slap shot or you watch goon, like there's all the hijinks that go on, you know, within the locker room and with the players and all of that stuff. But I felt like if you're looking at like a, like a radio dial, it's like taking those themes and like just turning it up to 11. Like you could have, bits and pieces of that and still tell a story um and just like even towards the end of the movie where you know the rangers file an injunction and um you know they the lawyer goes to new york and he's giving this you know um impassioned defense of um the town's pride and stuff and you know obviously what happens to him happens to him i don't want to like spoil it just in case you know people after listening to this, want to go and watch the movie. It's just like, I feel like I've seen this before. Um, but I thought like if, as far as movies go, I mean, it was okay. Um, I mean, I had gone in not knowing really anything about it. Um, but like if I'd probably, I'll probably watch it a second time now knowing, you know, obviously what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just trying to do too much. I felt it was kind of overcomplicating thing. It was trying to like inject all of these different like subplots tied to the one theme. Um, like, I don't know if you've ever seen um, their, their recent movies. Um, one is called Valentine's Day and one is called um, New Year's Eve. And it's pretty much um, all these different um, people who are sort of like separated by six degrees of separation and, and, um, they're going through their own, you know, many things around the holidays. Um, like I felt like this was going on cause it's like, Oh, you know, is, um, Hank Azaria going to try and steal Russell Crowe's wife? And Oh, you know, what's going to happen with the player and the mayor's wife? And Oh, what's going to happen with, uh, the, the young kid and, uh, you know, his, his teammate is the brother of his girlfriend. And like, it's just like, all right, what do you want me to focus on? Um, because if you had obviously the setup of the beginning and then when you finally get around to the game, um, in that story, um, I think you could have done a little bit more there. So it's a movie about hockey, but I wouldn't really call it like a hockey movie. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it really does. Um, my thoughts are going to echo yours for the most part, but I I think the big thing I want to say that I, I don't think you've really touched on yet is that in this movie, there are little kernels of gold. Like, there's little things that resonate, and, like, very early on, like, sticks in the middle, having a kid separate the sticks to pick the teams, like, the ritual and tradition of the Saturday game the big, you know, playing on the pond, um, you know, the whole premise of, it's like, I want that movie 
Um, I want hockey as this almost like pseudo-religion in this small town. And then it felt like, you know, something happened with this movie where it became a hydra. Like, every time you thought there was another storyline... And it's like, is that over? It's like, oh no, that's going to branch off into these two other storylines. And we need this this scene of resolution between Burt Reynolds and his kid. And we need the scene of resolution between Hank Azaria and Russell Crowe's wife. And like, it goes on and on and on like this. Like you said, it's just, it's trying to be way too many things. I don't know if that's a victim of bad editing or bad writing. Um, I'm not sure. It's worth noting that the director of this, Jay Roach... Uh, directed the Austin Powers movies. Um, you know, he's well known for comedies. And, like, while I was watching this last night, Tom, the thing I wrote down and, like, I underlined it is, like, is this a comedy? It has some funny one-liners in it, but this, to me, is a movie about relationships. Um, it's trying to tell the story of the town, which makes sense why, like, that's the name of the town. It's Mystery Alaska. This is Mystery Alaska's story and hockey plays a role in it but a lot of what goes on it's it's like this bizarre like it's it's so it just gets wrapped up in itself and all these little side stories and it gets so right waylaid by you know what is this movie about it's about a team uh, of I think all told they have 11 guys because normally with the Saturday game they play 4 on 4 with 2 goalies it's like oh that's fun and then somehow a guy who used to live in the town by the way spoilers alert all over I know we should have said it earlier um, you know a guy Hank Azari's character used to live there wrote something for Sports Illustrated about the town and the whole thing is and pure skating ability alone they could beat any team or hold their own with any team in the NHL. And that's like, the premise of the movie is like, hey, the Rangers will come into town. Um, and that's what they do. And like you said, there's all this headaches. And I also love how the guys they got to play the Rangers all look like they're 55 years old. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah, like that, that too. <laughs> like, it's sort of like the suspension of disbelief because you have a scene in the movie where, you know, they're watching some film um, and like, you know, it's a real Ranger game with Sam and JD, you know, yeah, doing Sam commentary. And yeah. And it's like, okay, like, you know, can we not even have like some, you know, um, some convincing, you know, at least with, okay, if we're going to have players, like obviously for licensing reasons, you're not going to have, you know, players in the movie, but like their captain is wearing number 11, right? Um, like, yeah. Obviously, Messier was center. By the way, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Messier was in Vancouver at that point, so like it would have made sense. Like, okay, we're not gonna like have like a Mark Messier proxy. We're just gonna have you know um, some you know star player or whatever. But um, I think like now that you met you, you brought up like Jay Roach um, in, in the movie. Uh, maybe part of the problem for me is that I've seen a lot of his other movies that I feel like have been done well. So I'm wondering if. In, in some ways, like, this was a movie where it's like, okay, we're just going to, you know, try and try some stuff out. Because um, by the time this had came out, like, the, he had done the first two um, Austin Powers movies. And then directly after this, he had um, Meet the Parents. So, like, in terms of, like, you know, 
you know, jokes like, you know, with innuendo and, and, um, you know, that sort of overtones, like maybe it's just like, okay, I've seen him do it like, you know, um, kind of, kind of better before. Um, because there are definitely are some, some lines in the movie, like that will make you laugh. Um, but like, maybe it's, it's for me now that I'm thinking about like, okay, I've seen better versions of what he was trying to accomplish, whether it's like from like, um, like relationship hijinks or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's just a big mess. Um, and it's a shame because I think the way I would describe this movie is that it's a lovable mess. Um, something that's not a lovable mess, Tom, is this message from our sponsors. That's probably the worst worst segue transition I've ever done, but uh, I couldn't think of a great place to slip it in, uh, no pun intended, and so that that's how those things happened. Anyway, uh, back to Mystery Alaska. Um, there's a couple little things that I liked about it that I just wanted to touch base with you on, okay? Sure. First one, I love the jersey. Yeah. I, I think it was pretty simple, but it was it was good. I liked it. It was uh, felt like a college hockey jersey. I liked it. Yeah, that that's a good way to describe it. Um, I like that this movie actually tries to speak in the language of hockey, uh, specifically using actual hockey lexicon in the locker room. Um, and like they're talking about, like how the hell do they even have a hope of facing the Rangers? And they try. You know, they use, you know, I think they talk about, you know, basic strategy with rimming the puck around the boards. And, uh, you know, they even talk about using, like, the neutral zone trap when to not let the Rangers blow them out of the water. And, you know, they talk about hockey. And that, to me, stood out. And it makes me think that some part of the people who made this, Tom, the producers, I don't know if it's Jay Roach. I know, you know, Mike Myers has a really memorable uh, cameo in this, and he's obviously a parody of Don Cherry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, former Ranger Phil Esposito is in the movie as the uh, the commentary guy for, I think it's, is it ESPN that broadcasts the fake game? I don't remember. It was like some, like, um... It was like OSC or something, like Outdoor yes. Sports Channel or something. Yeah, some random sports something something. Um, but I, I like that, you know, they had some of that hockey, hockey lexicon. I like that they have that parts of the story you can tell can only be told by people who actually grew up with hockey. Little things like sticks in the middle. Um, little things like understanding the tradition and ritual of hockey. And the thing that was like, okay, to me was, it feels like someone who loved hockey was a part of this, and then it just got, it got 
all tangled up into being something else. I think Wikipedia classifies this as a comedy drama. And like, I don't know. I don't know what I would call this movie. I, it's not a sports movie. That's, that's for sure. Um, and like you, I think it's a movie with hockey in it. Uh, you know, and like, that's the real shame here is we don't have a lot of like miracle. That's a hockey movie. Um, this is a movie with hockey in it. And it's a shame because I think it sold itself, especially early on as this is going to be a hockey movie. And that is not at all what took place. No. And it's like, I feel like there was the opportunity for it to be that, um, because it just seems like everything moves so quickly. It's like, okay, Russell Crowe, you're out of the, the Saturday game. Um, and you know, the new kids in, um, and then it's like, it, it's almost like it was writing ways to get like Russell Crowe back into the action and like, okay, well, yeah. yeah why couldn't that be the whole movie is this town story of the, the Saturday game. And there's a young kid who wants to come up and there's a town sheriff and it's Russell Crowe or whoever the hell it what needs to be. And then you have this interesting conflict. That's, that can be your movie. You don't need the Rangers to come in. You don't need 19 different, you know, intimate looks into infidelity and, uh, the pressures of having sex for young people and, Jesus Christ, envy in relationships and like all these all these complicated things. It's just why you ha- there's so like if you chip away all that other stuff, it's like yeah, there's not a bad there's a there's an okay twenty five minute hockey movie in here, Tom. <laughs> the problem is it's twenty five minutes long. Yeah, exactly. And like again, like you know, I said it. You know, elements of this scene before. Um, like I've seen, I've seen Goon, I've seen Slapshot, um, and in terms of like the hockey elements and what goes on in the room and the, like all of the things associated with that, I feel like I've seen that before. Um, now, obviously, Slapshot came out in the '70s. You know, this came out in the '90s, and um, Goon came out, you know, in the uh, 2000s. So obviously. You know, in case of Goon, it could be a situation of, okay, seeing other movies and trying to um, fine-tune it. But at least, like, with Goon, like, I felt like there was um, a narrative that was sort of um, keeping the movie going that was sort of tied, uh, rather, was tied to hockey. Um, You had other elements of, of things like, you know, personal relationships, you know, family relationships, things of that nature. Um but I felt like it would have been a much better story of it's like, you know, okay, Russell Crowe's, you know, out of the picture and he's going on with his everyday life and it's something where it's like, okay, the um, the Saturday game goes on as, as normal and it's like, oh, we we're going to have this challenge and, oh, we really need you and can you help us out sort of thing. But it just was, like, like I said, it's pigeonholing him. Like, oh, he's out of it completely. And, oh, now we want you to coach. And, like, oh, now you're going to be the captain. And just sort of, like, the timing to get everything going because it was a situation of, oh, we're building the rink and we only have so much time. Like, if, if they're going to do this, we need to get a decision so they can play. And then, okay, Russell Kerr, now you're going to be the captain. And it's like, 
did they everything like transpire in like a week's time like okay now we're gonna like try and do this like rocky like montage of getting ready for the fight with drago um i mean part of it is it's also like movies are meant to be entertaining and sometimes you can sort of like overthink it and like yeah you really shouldn't like think about like okay the timing or the pacing or things of that um but i feel like with everything else going on it's you're sort of like jumbling in your mind of like okay I'm keeping track of this, so am I keeping track of this as well? Just sort of, yeah. It's a it's a clusterfuck, um, which is a shame because I definitely remember this movie. Like I have fond memories of this movie, but uh, the rewatching of it devastated it. <laughs> Not as quite as bad as like I knew D two was bad, but when we rewatched that, I was not ready for how bad the second Mighty Ducks movie was. And it's hysterical because yesterday I shot you a message on the r slash movies, the movie subreddit. Someone brought up like, no, Mighty Ducks 2 doesn't get enough credit for being a really good sequel in in film. And I shared it with you and Shane, I was cracking up. I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yes, it's a small world sort of a thing, but it's also really, I don't know. I think we need a, you and I need to come up with a system, like, you know, how many goals do we rate this game based on a five-goal night from Mika Zibanejad? <laughs> like, D2, I would give two, two goals. This movie, I would give three. Like, I think if you really love hockey, you should make time to check out this movie. At least watch the trailer, uh, you know, Watch the honestly watch the first ten minutes, and if you if it's not enough for you, then then it's never going to be enough for you because it just it lo- it gets off the the rails quickly. But like another movie you and I have talked about, Tom, which is Uncut Gems, like that movie grabs you by the throat. It doesn't let you go. You're just riveted the whole time. Whereas this movie, you're just like, why do I care about what what storyline am I invested in? Why do I care about this? Like, just it's like this giant ensemble cast and all these characters. And at the end of the day, the thing that bothers me the most, Tom, is they play the Rangers supposedly for three twenty-minute periods on ice that's bigger than international ice, and they only have fucking ten guys. Because they have two goalies. Yeah, exactly. This is and the, the Rangers have eighteen skaters. It's the same problem as the Mighty Ducks t- too. Yeah, exactly. John Beebe's fucking. How old is he? Old. Yeah, he's older. You trying to tell me that these guys from Alaska have better conditioning than? And don't come at me with altitude training because I know one of our clever listeners is probably going to bring that up. But listen, this is sports science. On, on the side of the New York Rangers. What's on the side of these boys? These mystery Alaska boys. And then, of course, you know, at the end of the movie, I think it's Connor Banks, who was their sniper, um, who shot a guy. And then Stevie Weeks, who uh, climaxed inside of a condom before it entered the, uh, the personage of his bow. Um... <laughs> those guys end up signing with the Rangers um, 
apparently two-way contracts too which is i love that john Beebe, which is russell crowe's character specified it's a two-way contract and it's like why in god's name would the rangers offer them a two-way contract they have no negotiating rights like yes yeah, also isn't stevie weeks 17 years old yeah it's, that's, uh, that's not how that works he's got to go in the draft yeah, it's it. There's a whole lot, a lot going on. There's a lot going on, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh boy. I mean, there's a lot of good lines. Like Russell Crowe's kid cracks me up. Yeah, great kid acting in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just like stuff out of nowhere. There, the reporter's like, "Oh, <laughs> did you see your daddy out there?" And he's like. I have a toy pony. He takes big shits. It's like, yeah. it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, and he has an adorable moment when he's on the snowmobile, and the kids are normally in the in the locker room before the Saturday game, and they pick up some sailor talk, and he says like shit, and then his dad gives him a look, and then he says something like, "It's all fucky" or whatever, <laughs> and then he's and then he says, "That's it. Neither you're allowed in the locker room ever again." And, you know, they're riding around on the Zamboni. They're both wearing hockey helmets, which is adorable already. Mm-hmm. And then he just leans forward on the handlebars of the snowmobile, like, disappointed and ashamed of himself. And it's just like, that's pretty great. Um, there are a lot of great one-liners. There's a lot of good little nuggets in there. Um, like, a lot of the humor is dated. Some of it is, like, not no longer politically correct. And that's not surprising. Uh yeah. It's not quite as egregious as Slapshot. Like, Jesus Christ, if you watch Slapshot today, it's uh, it's problematic. Um, yeah, but like, I've you know. I've never I've never liked Slapshot though. I don't know. I'm, I'm I feel like I'm in the minority with that. But I I never really enjoyed those movies. Although, a movie I might recommend we watch, Tom, <laughs> is I don't know how many Slapshot sequels they made, but I remember going to Blockbuster Video. And finding a Slapshot sequel that had one of the Baldwin brothers. Yes, I think Stephen Baldwin's in it. Yeah, it's the, the shitty it's a... Baldwin brother, and it's uh, and the Hanson brothers are still in it. And I don't remember a goddamn thing about that movie except that there's a shitty Baldwin brother in it. And I've seen that movie. I saw that movie like I watched it two or three times when I rented it from Blockbuster, um, like in my mid-teens and my brain deemed none of it important enough to hold on to and has erased all of it so i mean we're going through a pandemic maybe i'll we can revisit that one but mystery alaska is my choice unless the listeners give us something they want to see um i know matt falconberry tweeted at us and said he wanted to see mystery alaska which is ironic because yeah that's what we watched but um you have the next pick for the movie tom i mean you haven't seen goon right no i've seen goon one and two Okay, I'm trying to think what was so. Um, Neither of us have seen Young Blood. Um, yeah, um, Young Blood might be a good one. Yeah, that's that'll be fun because we get to go back to the '80s and it's a young Rob Lowe. Yeah, I think we'll do Young Blood next. Um, but is it a hockey movie? I know it has hockey in it. I want hockey movies, Tom. I mean, we could do like I said, like MVP, Most Valuable Primate. I will legitimately watch. Most like, valuable primate, if you will. I mean, I remember that. I mean, I remember H.E. Double Hockey Sticks, where um, a Disney movie where uh, Matt Lawrence is a hockey player, and he... What the hell are you talking about? 
No, the movie H E H E double hockey sticks. That was the name this of the is movie. real thing. Yeah. So the premise of it is is Matt Lawrence. <laughs> um, I mean, you did you watch um, Boy Meets World? I've seen it. I know the name Topanga. Okay. So, um, so basically. Matt Lawrence, um, I forget what character he plays, what the character's name was, but rather, Matt Lawrence is a hockey player, and okay. he's like, oh, I'm going to sell my soul, I'd sell my soul to win the Stanley Cup, and then in comes the devil, who is played by um, Will Friedle, and he's like, oh, I, I have a deal for you, and it's basically just, you know, all these different uh, uh Matt, Matt Lawrence is the kid from Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, there we go, Chris. That I should have went there. That's a much easier. And then Wilfredell. Um, if you ever watch Batman Beyond, he was the voice of Terry McGinnis. Um, Batman Beyond was the shit. Yeah. So that's an, a movie. Um, how have I never heard of this movie before? It was one of like like you know how like growing up like Disney Channel like like I don't see it in Matt Lawrence's filmography. Are you making all this up? No, I'm going to do it. You have to link me the IMDb. I think you're full of shit. I have it right now. H-E-double. Oh, my God. It's real. Wait. Yeah, it's real. Oh, it's a television film. No wonder. Yeah, it's like one of the like the Disney movies. Like, they had it, like, every, like, Friday. Like, that. Um, like Oh, other- my God, bro. I remember seeing... A commercial for this and being revolted and never watching it when I was super young. That's amazing. I have to watch this. This is going to be an abomination. I can't do this next, though. Should we no, do I'm this not, next? I'm not saying you have to do it next. Um. <laughs> Championship for the Delaware Demons, a thinly veiled version of the New Jersey Devils. Wow. Oh, man. Anyway, folks, if there's hockey movies from your, you know, any time in your life, and, like, I think most people would agree that, you know, I think Miracle and Goon are kind of towards the top of the mountain, depending on what sort of movies you like, like, you know, Russian Five, Red Army. I love Red Army. Um... Yeah, Tom. I don't know. This we could we could get some work done with these hockey movies, my friend. Yeah, or sports movies if people have them, or you know. Oh, let's do hockey. I don't want to do sports movies. Well, I'm saying because we're eventually going to run out of hockey movies. No, we won't. We'll watch Inside Out. That's got hockey in it. We'll watch The Love Guru. Yeah, that that's an interesting movie. It's, it's an abomination, but we can watch it. Yeah, it caused Mike Myers to Oh, have take you seen ex- The Rocket? Uh, yes, I have. I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it in a while either. I remember uh, it being pretty good or okay. I think Sean Avery's in that movie. He is in that movie. Um, also, the Clint Eastwood Indian Horse, which supposedly has a lot of hockey going on in it, is on Netflix right now for people who are looking for some hockey stuff to watch. Which Slapshot... Is it Slapshot... Tom, it's Slapshot 2 with the Baldwin brother. And there's a Slapshot 3, Tom. Yeah, I'm surprised that they... Can we watch Jean-Claude Van Damme's sudden death? 
I mean, that's technically a hockey movie. It takes place during what's game seven of the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. We yeah. could also watch Happy Gilmore. I mean, it all depends on what you call a hockey movie, right? That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm open for suggestions. Like, obviously, you know, I said this, been saying this sort of every week um, that we've been podcasting without hockey. Like, you know, all the times people are like, well, could you do this? Could you do that? You know, for the summertime. But, well, we're pretty much in summer right now in terms of content. So if you have ideas, please let us know. And if you don't have ideas, well, that's okay, too. But we like ideas. That's okay. You can just leave it up to us. I mean, you guys listen to the show. We just ramble about it. Slapshot 2 is Gary Busey's in it, Tom. Oh, boy. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I love it. Slapshot 3. Who's in Slapshot 3? This says Mark Messier is in Slapshot 3. Doug Gilmore is in Slapshot 3. Tom, what the fuck is going on? I wonder when we'll have another hockey movie, like a new one. Leslie Nielsen's in Slapshot 3? What's going on? Yeah, I would love to know if there's ever going to be a, a new good hockey movie. I thought there was going to be a John Scott movie at some point. I thought there was going to be, and there was supposed to be a Men on Rayo movie, and that never came to fruition as far as I can tell. I was doing some research on that like uh, last summer, but goddamn. Um... But you know what I will say is there's been a lot of really outstanding hockey documentaries made over the past, I want to say, between five and seven years. Mm-hmm. A lot of really, really good hockey docs. And, like, if you expand that over, you know what, let's say make it 12 years. Like, have you ever seen uh, Big Shot, the 30 for 30? I have not seen that one. Oh, man, buddy. It's so good. Um, is, is that the um, the Islanders one? On Nick's yeah, that's the that's the story of John Spano. John Spano, yeah, and the Mike Milbury era, but specifically John Spano, who just frauded his way into owning an NHL franchise. And the story behind it is just unbelievable. Like he was signing checks, like they'd be like, "All right, John, you owe us four hundred thousand." He would write a check for forty thousand, and then they'd be like, "John, it's got to be four And he said, "Oh, you know what?" I uh, I just forgot a zero. Let me just move some money around and I'll get it right back to you. And all the while, everyone was like, "This something's fucky going on." <laughs> and uh, but like, it's unbelievable how long he kept the the plate spinning, and it just it went on and on and on. Um, yeah. I assume that's what's happening with the New York Mets right now. Just you know. <laughs> Um, I don't know, buddy. We were at the 45-minute mark. Did, was there anything else you wanted to say about Mystery Alaska? Not really. Um, I, <laughs> you sound so disappointed in it. It's because, uh, like, I set aside the time to watch it because obviously we wanted to talk about it. And I, like, by the time I was done watching it, I'm like, all right, it's time for bed. Like, yeah, this was not, you know, remarkable. And uh, it's time for bed. Any sense? <laughs> Oh my god. I like how in the Slapshot 3 it clarifies this is a direct-to-video sequel to to Slapshot 2. And then, of course, Slapshot 2 is also direct-to-video. Neither of those movies was good enough for the theater. Um, And, yeah, you know what? We'll have to do some look 
at what maybe to talk about next, but, you know, unless you guys hate it, we're going to keep talking hockey movies and, you know, obviously keep you appraised of any updates. Um, you know, this past, I think this past week was the first week NHL players did not get paid, actually. And uh, another, I think this might have happened since the last time we did our show, the uh, the Jets and Bufflin uh, settled uh, mutually ex- mutually what's my word here Tom decided to dissolve the contract so essentially Dustin Bufflin walks away from 14 million but that that got resolved and uh yeah other than that not too much going on in the hockey world no not really and I don't think that we're gonna see anything soon um yeah it's a slow grind that's the thing folks is much like you know, we, we don't want to get political here, but, you know, much like in, you know, our current political climate in this country, how there are people who are, uh, you know, with Liberate Michigan and all these things going on in the world, like, there are people who are very anxious for this to be over to the point where they're acting in a way that might, you know, put the welfare and uh, health and safety of themselves and others around them into peril and that is still the reality we live in we, we got to do more to you know attack this curve and to get on top of this and until that happens it's very very hard to plan this, this whole professional sports thing and you know it's this it's this ongoing problem and like I think we said in our first show since all the stuff started I said like all the plans we write for this have to be done in pencil or like chalk because they change every day right we we need to have all these solutions and we've heard Gary Bettman say like hey we can go deep in the summer I don't give a fuck we'll start the season in November and it's like okay I mean yeah the thing is we can do a lot of things but until we actually get to the point where those things can happen it doesn't really matter does it Tom no, and I get it sucks. Um, it's, it does it's, suck. Yeah, it's no one wants this to continue longer than it has to. Um, I think it's a situation where the analogy I've sort of, you know, when I, I talk, you know, to like my brother about it, it's like once you have like, it's basically you have um, a container of toothpaste and, you know, once you squeeze toothpaste out, it's out. It's, it's not something that you really can, um, you know, put back in the tube and that's sort of my fear that you know we see things like trending positively okay um like the analogy people have used is like okay you know the the curve is going down and you know it's like someone with a parachute like okay you know we've started our descent now we can you know disconnect um but you don't want to um you don't want to be too early get people's hopes up and then have another resurgence. Cause then telling people to, to they have to go back in. It's just going to create more anxiety, more frustration. Whereas you yeah, just prolong the impact of everything. Exactly. Like it's, you don't want to do it, do it right once. So we don't have to do it wrong more than once. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like the, what's the expression? It's like measure twice, cut once. Yeah. I never do that by the way. Whenever I build things, I'm uh I'm very much a a measure once maybe and then visualize what I'm doing and then just cut, 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 paste, glue, 
everything else. You remember glue sticks? Are glue sticks still a thing? Oh yeah, there's still like there's there's um, your conventional glue sticks, and then there's actually these these purple <laughs> ones that dry clear. You know what I just thought of is Joe and I had a make your own glove challenge on the podcast, which he failed terribly. Right? I made a glove. It was bad, but I made it honestly. We both agreed that we wouldn't look up how to make a glove. And so I took an old t-shirt and, you know, like a dope, I was like, all right, I have no, I have very limited, like if I have like, you know, a shirt that rips or something like in the armpit, like I can stitch it, like I can do a simple repair. Um, But when it comes to like actual needlework, like putting something together, I'm hopeless. And so I just put my hand down on a shirt and then trace my hand, but bigger than my hands, because I understood it would have to wrap around the side. I did that twice, and I stitched those two things together, and I made a horrible glove. And Joe never made his glove, Tom. Maybe you and I need a challenge, a uh, something something to entertain the folks, especially if even if we just put it up on Patreon. Problem is, I don't know how crafty you're feeling. I'm I'm pretty much down for anything. Um, yeah, you want to we'll think want to think of something, or people want to yeah. think of something. Yeah, we'll see if the, the people can think of something. Maybe we'll try and make our own sock. That'd or be because Shayna is so good at knitting, you and I can try to make our own beanies from scratch and just, like... I'm pretty sure I'll just use, like, a, a shopping bag. But, yeah. Or, you know, what we should do is make fucking pandemic masks. You know, medical masks. That's not a bad idea. There you go. Maybe that. Anyway, uh, 52 minutes. Thank you all for listening so much. Tom, do you have our our wonderful patrons' names? Because I don't have it because I'm bad. I do. I'm so glad that you asked. And thank you, as as always, to our um, lovely Patreon supporters. Uh, we appreciate um, your continued support. Um, Adam Nahoek, Ian Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Anthony White, Anthony McHale, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Daniel Juzen, David L. Singer, Enver Leeson, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, Igor Zavlovsky, James Dangles, Jimmy Bussell, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Prezipelski, John Reppy, uh, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landholt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg Bjalbeck, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Ninja's Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you very much uh, to all those patrons. Uh, we uh, appreciate your, your support uh, of the podcast, and uh, we'll just another housekeeping note um you shouldn't have been charged for this past month you won't be charged for may um so in the event that you end up getting charged just let us know yeah and we'll see how things go from there because uh we get it it's a crazy crazy time um you know certainly not something that our generation's gone through and you know it's kind of a rarity for 
all generations really that society would just kind of grind to a halt but hey take care of yourselves be good to each other um be safe and until next time bye bye